Hello, I'm Jim Middleton and welcome to our second episode of Flying by the Seat of My Paints. Um, we are an art entrepreneur podcast. Um, a friend of mine just a few days ago coined the term entrepreneur and I like it way too much. So I feel like that's going to uh, make its way in here really soon. Um, our podcast is designed for the artists who, like many of us, want to translate um, our passion to a paycheck. Uh, these are tips and tricks from myself upcoming guests that we have coming on the pod uh, that I've learned along the way, uh, you know, we want to share to help you get one step closer. Uh, topics like how to promote, how to price, how to show your art, how to become a better artist yourself. Um, for the second episode, we're talking about a key factor in focus, um, selling. So um, we're not talking about pricing today. Pricing is a whole other topic, and that'll be next week. Um, just because it's a whole issue in and of itself. But today we're just going to be thinking about what to sell and where to sell. So uh, come on in and uh, we're going to dive into this. So first and foremost, um, before we get started, I want you to, um, I need you to get a, a pen and a piece of paper, a pencil, whatever you like to write with. Um, pause with me if you need to, uh, you know, pause me, go get it. Um, I think this is going to be a really valuable exercise. If, um, uh, if you don't have it now, go grab it. I'll wait. I'll be here. Pause me. Now, before we get started, uh, I'm going to ask you to do something for me um, as uh, we're exploring this exercise. Uh, how do I say this delicately? Ignore your friends and family's suggestions. Uh, for the most part. I mean, yes, some people are generally helpful, but I want to give you an example from my own world. So uh, I drew for a long time, drew what I wanted when I wanted, mostly a lot of portraits and uh, mostly in pencil. And then when I found painting and first started to get into it, I had lots of people give me opinions on what I should paint. Um, I live in Atlantic Canada, uh, so we've got a lot of seacoasts, and that was one of the first things that I was told by somebody I do respect and care for, uh, I should be painting lots of uh, seacoasts and maritime scenes and Atlantic Canadian scenes. And not that there aren't scenes like that that inspire me that I think are beautiful, because there are, and there are some that I've created, but approaching it from that outlook of just what other people think I should paint versus what I'm passionate about painting. You can put yourself in a corner where you're doing any job for somebody else. And the whole point of becoming an entrepreneur is that you are making the art you love and working towards making that a full-time career, paying your bills with that, doing what you love. If you're not doing what you love, it's just going to feel like a job, guys. You're not going to enjoy it. I have been unexpectedly thrust into uh, helping resurrect a market because that's where I sold a lot of my work. And uh, with the COVID situation, everything shut down. That one went away. It was gone. It's been several months without it. We're doing pretty well here in Eastern Canada. Things are starting to come back around again. And resurrecting that market is a possibility. And saying yes to opportunity is something you're definitely going to need to do moving forward. And this is one of those things where an opportunity has arisen and um, I'm running with it. So uh, we'll get more to that uh, later, but I want to stay on the point about 
people you will have people tell you what they think you should do and i can tell you right now you can get some success doing that without question um but you're never going to set yourself apart um you're never going to allow yourself to stand out um I mean, I want to be fair about that. If the thing that you love also happens to be what's popular, yeah, sure. It's absolutely possible that, I guess at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is your heart has to be in it. If your heart's not in it, don't do it. Don't, don't, don't just make something because somebody thinks it's popular. All right. Now, what we want to talk about is... Setting, I mentioned before, setting yourself apart. Um, you don't want to be a commodity. You want to be unique. Um, you know, to reference the beach scene, you can get, if all they care about is any old beach scene, they don't care about you. They can get a beach scene at Walmart or eBay or wherever, right? They don't know whose it is. How many times you walk into somebody's house and they're like, oh, that's a nice painting. Yeah, I really like the painting. Who's it from? I don't know. No idea, right? So what's the chances are they're coming back to you to find another piece? Maybe less so, because it's more about what it was. So now that you've got your pen and piece of paper, I want you to start writing something down for me. First, what kind of medium do you like to create in? Got it? Now, my question is, did you write one thing? I mean, I didn't give you much time. Or was your impulse to write more than one thing? I want you to think about that impulse to do more than one. Um, like, I want you to get specific. I want you to dig into it. I mean, did you put just painting or drawing or making shadow boxes or carving wood or whatever it might happen to be? I want you to really think about it and get specific. Write all the things you love to create. Right? Pause me if you need to. Write a bunch of things down that you like to create. All right. Now, I want you to look at those things and then consider what's adjacent to them. So what is similar and close that maybe you've never tried? Um, do you love pencil drawing? Have you tried charcoal? Have you tried ink? Have you tried putting yourself in, into a ballpoint pen world where you can't really erase what you're doing, but you can be flowy and create things? We have a local artist in town who does a lot of that work. It's really cool. Um, if you like painting, if you're like me, I use acrylics most of the time. The paintings behind me, you'll see are in acrylics. Have you tried oil? I have tried oil a little. Um, I love watercolor. There's something about a fast drying medium that works better for my brain. And I know there are mediums you can buy for oil and all kinds of other stuff, but you don't know until you try them what works, what doesn't work, what you like, what you don't like. So... I want you to think about those adjacent things. Write them down. What's near to what's already dear in your heart, right? Um, what you need to do here is you're branching off in other mediums, trying other things can be the key that unlocks the doorway to a world of art you haven't even considered. Two years ago, I was a pen and ink illustrator that dabbled in a little digital art. Today, I'm a very passionate acrylic painter. Paint is what I do, but I also do watercolor. I also do sculpture. I branch out into other areas. My point is you need to open all the doors you're interested in opening 
You never know what's on the other side waiting. And you might just find something that just lights a fire in you that you have to chase down. And, and that's the purpose of that exercise. So you've got a good list here of things that you're passionate about. So that's medium. That's one part. The second part of your selling that you have to consider is we've got to think about style. You know, what are you drawn towards? Does abstract art bring up emotions in you or certain color, you know, certain movements and motion? Um, is it realism that gets you? And then drill down deeper. What kinds of realism? Are you really trying to dig into something hyper-realism and you're using like, um, you know, Faber-Castell or Prismacolor, some of those high-end pencil crayons so you can really dial it in, doing really huge works of really smaller things so you can get into crazy hyper-detail? Um, do you like Luke's brush-strokey work like um, John Singer Sargent or one of my favorite artists from the UK and his print is right up there is Chris Guest, a giant fan of his work, and I think he's like a modern John Singer Sargent. Um, but what you need to start doing is thinking about pieces that speak to you, right, that strike an emotion in you, uh, create a folder, you know, start putting some of that work, you know, together, thinking about, you know, what styles speak to you? What artists do you enjoy? And I think we're going to dig deeper into that in another episode called Art Parents. Uh, that's a subject that was handled well on The Draftsman. And that's another thing here, guys. I'm going to jump off an ad-lib stuff here. Um, I, there is nothing original out there, guys. There's always somebody who's done it before, said it better. All I'm trying to do is contribute by compiling together knowledge I've learned from fellow artists, from uh, artists I look up to, people I follow online, people who I watch their YouTube channels. Um, I got a great book recently from one of my favorite artists, get it in camera here, uh, Rafi Perez, The Rogue Artist Survival Guide. Guys, there are lots of great resources out there. What I'm trying to do uh, with uh, Flying by the Seat of My Paints is give you a way that we can combine a lot of those things in my personal experience and the guests that we bring on their personal experience to kind of help you um, get a, a nice condensed, right? Instead of trying to drink from the fire hose, we can give you a pretty clear cup of tea. <laughs> you want to do this, this is how we did it. And this is how we learned and who maybe we learned stuff from. And, you know, what are some suggested paths forward? Right. That's our goal. So, like I said, as I as I talk about stuff, I'm, I'm not necessarily I'm not uh, a guru on high. <laughs> I'm not inventing stuff that nobody else knows. But I am taking a lot of that information, condensing it into one place where you can find it. That's the goal. So um, once you again, once you have that, you want to start collecting a vision board getting stickers or notes about them, what pieces excite you, what other pieces of art excite you, what do you want to create, write it down. Um, it can make all the difference in helping you decide what you want to sell, right? Because we want to make a big part of what you're creating, what you are making to sell, something you love to make. That's really all we're diving into. So, the next part, inspiration. So, we talked about... Um, you know, mediums, we talked about style. Now we need to talk about what gets you going. 
art-wise. Don't mean to make that sound bad. Um, for me, I, I have looked at enough artists' work that I love. I've dived into enough photos and collections and, and really thought about it. If, if somebody had asked me two years ago, um, you know, what I was inspired by or what I loved, in all honesty, it would have been a little, I don't know, pedantic for lack of a better word. I, I just kind of, pedestrian maybe is, even, is better. I wouldn't have really thought about it. I hadn't really dug into it because we don't necessarily know right? Unless we actually dig into the work and decide, you know, well, what does matter to me? And you need to take time. You really do. And if you remember in our first episode, we talked about getting to know your local artist community. This is really going to be a huge help. That's a great place to get inspired, see what other people are doing, talk to them about their work. Why did they want to do that work? What made them want to make that specific piece? What are they excited about doing next? Do they have a new series they're going to work on? You know, I really believe that passion feeds passion. It's a gasoline that can kind of get everything going. So, you know, um, I've been to a couple different art shows in the last few weeks and, and made a point. You know, I bought some stuff at one of the shows, my Alison Vienna piece up here. Uh, other times I just talk to people about what's going on, what they're working on, what they're excited about. Um, it's it's a great it's a very reciprocal thing. It's great for you to show support for your fellow local artist peers, and it also allows you to get so much more back, right, from them about uh, you know helping you decide what inspires you. Um, and as you look through the work and find work you like, or you know some pieces will speak to you more than others. Um, I want to say again, coming back to what we talked to at the first, do not, I repeat, do not just look at what sells. I mean, this can be good to be aware on very basic terms, like maybe people buy more small items, you know, impulse things as opposed to bigger things. Um, but you should never be going in, oh, okay, somebody is making tree of life sea glass jewelry and, uh, I'm going to go out and make the exact same thing. I mean, number one, that's not super cool. And again, you're moving more towards that commodity thing. You're seeing something that you know sells. You're like, oh, I could do that. And yes, maybe you can do that. But do you have the same passion as the person who went out finding their own custom pieces and figuring out the design and deciding they wanted to do it that way? There's... Um, Rafi actually mentions in one of his videos, he talks about somebody comes to um, a, uh, a place where he sells and they looked over the artwork and he has a very popular series called um, Seasons of Change where he does uh, the same kind of tree in like, a, I guess it would be a quadric. I don't know if a diptychs two and a triptychs three, quadric, I don't know. Um, four paintings all along and narrow with trees in different seasons. Right? It's kind of his, uh, his approach. And it's uh, very uh, uh, stylized, you know, more a simplistic approach because that's the way he likes to do his artwork. And um, people just went and basically cribbed it, showed up at the same place, you know, to sell copies of his work. Um, and what did he do? Nothing. He just let it go. 
they were somebody who were there for a little while and maybe they sold a couple pieces because they were selling it less than he was selling it, but they weren't his pieces. They weren't pieces of Rafi art. They weren't something that he had created. And that's part of kind of putting your heart into your work. If you don't have your heart in it, you know, um, I understand when people are learning, every single artist on the planet copies somebody else, does the same kind of thing out of the gate. You know, for me as a kid, it's, it was cartoonists, you know, that I literally traced cartoons. Um, as I got older and, and got into individual artists, I mean, you know, it's people like Robert Bateman, right? You know, Canadian wildlife painter that I adore. Um, but you can take that love and adapt it into something that's personal for you. There's a great Canadian painter um, who's passed now that I adore called Mary Pratt. Mary Pratt um, did realism paintings and she focused on everyday objects in and around her home. Um, jellies and jams or maybe a series of plates and cups or um, tinfoil pops up in several of her paintings. And I didn't want to just redo one of her paintings or set something up in a similar pattern, but I loved her work. So I made a really kind of strange surrealist piece that you'll probably see popping by in my little slideshow up there of somebody holding their head and it's surrounded in tinfoil. And I had a whole representative idea and meaning for that piece, but the reason I used tinfoil as opposed to any other medium that he could have had wrapped around his head was as an homage to an artist I love. So doing homages, getting inspired by other people, great. Just flat it. I mean, if you want to go home and try making something somebody else makes to learn the process and then kind of grow and build off it, cool. But if you literally copy verbatim somebody else's work and then bring it out to sell, I, I, I think it's not necessarily fair to the other artist and you diminish yourself. You're not really giving yourself the opportunity to develop and grow. And that, that's just my thought on it. And I think you're going to be a better artist at the end of the day by, you know, by talking to those people, finding out what they're doing. Um, and, you know, how are you going to make yourself unique? So let's look back at your notes. You should have a pretty broad selection, um, things you'd like to create. Um, so now we want to look at the next piece. You know, what is the time to create each piece? And what are they worth when you sell them? So I don't want to talk about price points. Price is a whole separate episode, and we're going to talk about that. But I do want to talk in generals about price in that when people come to buy things, you need to have some different options. Um, I like to call them impulse price points, love price points, and aspiring price points. So you can have a big, massive, whatever it is, sculpture, wood carving, painting, whatever, something that's huge that you put a ton of time and ton of hours in, and it's priced accordingly, right? But you can also have things that are small that people can grab on an impulse. And then have something in between that somebody's like, man, that's probably a little bit more than I want to spend today. But I love that. I love that. And I want to take that with me. So having those kind of variety of pieces. When I started selling, I only had the original paintings. I didn't have anything else. That's all I had to sell. Um, and I didn't really sell any. I got commissions. We'll talk about those in a minute. But... Um, 
It wasn't until I started making prints. So I found somebody, and you can find services online that can do it too, that can, um, can print out what you want. And I'm just, I see a little message, I'm running low on space. I'm going to pause right here. Hey guys, sorry about that. Um, one of the joys of learning and editing and setting up your own podcast is doing it all on my own computer. And uh, all the editing and stuff I did for the video for the last episode, I uh, hadn't deleted. And limited space, even though I've got like a memory card added on with tons of stuff, I do everything on the main drive. So we had to move it all over. But that's all good. We, uh, that's one of the joys of being able to pause. One of the things I love about using Anchor um, which is my podcast platform. It has all the tools. It can break it up into pieces. Uh, if you're thinking about doing a podcast, check Anchor out. Seriously. Um, you can set up monetization. You can um, get easily added to just about every podcast platform going. Um, I'm already on, gosh, I think the only ones that I'm not on yet and it's pending is um, CastBox and Google Podcasts. Everything else, Apple Podcasts, uh, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Spotify, they've all picked me up. So that's, it's really, really cool. It's really, really easy. Um, I'm literally recording the video on my computer for YouTube and recording on my phone for the podcast to go live for audio. So if you're thinking about it, check out Anchor. Seriously, it's really easy. So diving back in, guys, um, we were talking about, um, you know, we had just finished talking about, um, you know, when you're selling versus um, with other people. So like getting a chance to see other work, see what inspires you. Then we were talking about price points. We were talking about, um, you know, having those impulse purchases, something that's small, something that's a low price point that, um, you know, somebody, you know, maybe they weren't thinking about buying that today, but it's reasonably priced enough that they can get it today because they love it. And then having those aspirational investment pieces that are huge, cost a lot of money, you know, they take a lot of thinking about, but they make decisions to go. Like I said, when I started before, I, I, it wasn't until I started making prints. So you can, there are services online, you can get prints made. InPrint is one that I know that's available. Um, but I recommend finding a local printer in your neighborhood because you need to have some physical copies when you're selling. Um, and you can go even, you know, do some original pieces in small. Like I do some tiny little watercolors or tiny little... Um, you know, I buy super small canvases just as a fun, quick diversion. It doesn't take me very long to paint them. Um, and it gives me price point options for people that are looking, you know, that love your work and want a piece of it. And maybe they can't afford to only buy a big painting or a big sculpture or a big wood carving, but giving them something that is your art that they can purchase at a low price point, it's critical. Um, so you want to, you know, Getting back to the just keep creating side, um, sharing what you make online, seeing what gets the best response. Um, don't bother with fake followers or try to just fill your stream with a bunch of crap. Share your work often, every day if you can, two, three posts a day if you can, even if it's here's me working on it, here's the process, here's the next step, here's the finished piece, here's what I'm sharing. This is, you know, I am literally as an artist flying by the seat of my pants, which is why this is called flying by the seat of my pants. I am working on commissions, working on custom pieces for a restaurant that needs to be done. I'm recording this podcast. I'm getting ready to, um, trying to revive a market. Um, 
at a time when I happen to get laid off from work from my regular that pays my bills most of the time job because even me I'm two years in and this still isn't everything always for me but I'm doing what I can to make it that and that's really what we're focused on guys is is it may not happen overnight but if you are focused on making it happen it'll happen so um then we get down to you know once you you've so you've you've thought about what you're passionate about if you can maybe you can condense that into like for me i create in a lot of i i'm a multimedia artist i create with a lot of different mediums uh i love painting probably the primary thing that i do and i'm inspired by water life and light that's you know, kind of my taglines, you'll find it on my websites, but it makes it kind of clear to people, you know, where my focus is. And then I start building up a body of work, keeping my focus in mind and the things that I love and the things that I want to create. Creating small things, creating medium things, creating big things. So you've got a body of work with things that you love. Now where are you going to sell it? That's the next part. We're back in recording now on Anchor. So where that was meant to be a flag, but this will all come together for them, and you folks on YouTube will get that little extra in between. So where do you sell? Um, this is a huge question, and it's all related to the market that you live in, and you need to understand your market. So this comes back to getting to know your local artist community, visiting a lot of local places, visit restaurants, banks, look at your hospital, look at... Um, uh, going to art auctions, like where is art displayed? You know, is it only in a gallery in one place? Probably not. You'll probably find a lot of places that have paintings on the walls, um, schools, like who's displaying art and then how did that art get there, right? Understanding where are the potential places that you can sell. Um, and that really comes down to understanding your market. One of the first things I did when I started painting and I had all these questions and again, lots of great resources online, but I went to a local art auction, art auction that had like 50 painters contributing. And I walked through and I looked at all the paintings and I looked at all the prices and they happened to have the auction online. So I actually made a grid and figured out what everybody was paying, <laughs> what everybody was charging. And just to get an idea of what kind of pieces were out there, what were people selling? Well, here's a place that has 50 artists that every three months they put 50 artists up. Right. Um, so, I mean, you can sell online and I do sell online and I have, you know, work available. People can contact me through Instagram, Facebook, through my website. I sell very little online and maybe it's because I have a smaller following so far, but I sell a ton in person. So in my opinion, especially starting out, you need to figure out those in-person options. So what do you have? Do you have galleries? Do you have group shows? Have you made friends with other artists? Can you put together a solo show of your own in somebody's backyard on a weekend? Put it on Facebook, get people excited about it. Um, are there businesses that'll put your art up? Um, and then the one thing that was really, and I give this back to Rafi, because this was in one of his early, because this is what he did, and it's what I did. I sell at farmer's markets. That's where I started, and that's why we talked about the market before. I went to a farmer's market on a whim, I walked through, I had this body of work. Uh, I had actually done a, kind of an evening market 
that was temporary. It was once a week. It wasn't an ongoing thing. And I live painted. That was the majority. I hardly sold anything at the, that market, but I live painted. So I was kind of a, a draw, right? Because uh, I liked painting and I painted fast. Um, and again, it doesn't mean you have to do that. It means find something that you like to do that fits. But I went on a whim, went through the market and asked them how much a table was. It was pretty reasonable. And I went in with the attitude that this cost of my table is advertising I'm spending on myself every week and I'm giving myself a place where six hours, seven hours a day, whatever it was, I can work on my art. Because while I was at the market, I was creating. Whether I was doing watercolor, whether I was painting, I was making something while I was there. I wasn't waiting for somebody going by and going, hey, you gonna buy something? I was sitting back working on my stuff. And if somebody stopped and had questions or were interested in the art, hey man, I was really excited to talk about it. I was really glad that they stopped and were interested in the work. We talked about it, thanked them if they moved on. If they had questions, gave them my card. If they thought about a commission, great. Uh, and kept on with my day. And I approached it with the attitude that I'm not going to make any money here. I'm, this is a place where I can create and it's advertisement for me and it's pretty cheap. You know, it was like my particular market was like 50 bucks a week for my table. So it wasn't bad. And the first two months I didn't make anything. And then I started to make something. And then I was always covering my cost of my table at minimum. Once I sold prints, I mean, a couple prints would cover that. Then I started making more money and more money. And about six months of the year, I was making more, working one, more, sorry, Saturday and Sunday, two days a week at the market than I was at my regular Monday to Friday, full-time, good-paying sales job. So, I mean, COVID kind of, <laughs> everything off the side of a cliff on me, but... That's how the process started growing. So for me, I highly recommend finding a low-cost option where you can meet people in person, they can see your work in person, and they can make an impulse choice to buy. You may grow to be an artist well beyond the reach of your local area, but you will always start there. Always. You really need to think about that. And think that's why it's important to get out, get to know the community, know where you're a right fit um, and a chance to distinguish yourself because they get to know you and why you create and how you create and what excites you when you talk about your work the story behind you the story behind your work you know one of my proudest you know people bought my pieces because they wanted a Jim Middleton piece and one of my favorite moments was a young kid who stopped at my booth and walked through, talked to me maybe three or four times and looked at the work maybe a half dozen times or more. And then one day he came in to buy a small painting that was like maybe $75, $80 with his own money, with his dad. And he had 20s and then he had fives and he had the last five out and change. And it was money he earned himself because he wanted to buy a piece of my work. Right? If, what else are we doing it for? If it's not for people who are that passionate about your pieces that they want to get them. Right? And that's what I'm trying to get across to everybody. It's all about heart, man. You know, it's the difference between somebody saying, oh, I got a landscape and I don't know who made it. Or I have a you, the artist piece. 
and it means something to them. And you, when you put that much heart into your piece and into you know what you want to sell and giving people options to buy those kind of pieces, you, how can you not succeed? It's all about you. And you put yourself out there and you don't stop creating and you keep giving them options. Um, you're going to make your own path. Making the art you love, talking about what excites you, sharing pieces that are both easily obtainable and ones people will have to save up for. You know, you're selling your pieces your way. This will also lead to what is often the most lucrative way of selling for artists, and that is commissions. Um, poor Rathy's been taking a beating in this episode, but I'm going to quote him one last time. Um, for commissions, uh, say yes to every commission until you can afford to say no. Commissions will be the one thing that maybe you'll be the least excited about doing because it won't be exactly what you're jazzed to do, but it will be in your world because you've created this world to say, this is my style. This is the kind of work I create. Yes, I can paint your farmhouse in my style, right? Or yes, I can create you an emotional, evocative piece that means love in abstract, but it's going to be in my style, right? Because you've kind of built up who you are and what you're about and what your pieces are. So say yes to every commission until you can afford to say no. That will, because as you share your work, as people like your work, one of the first things they're going to say is, could you make the X for me? Whatever it is, say yes. And to just like saying yes to that, if somebody says, would you like to donate a piece for this auction? Would you like to live paint at this event? Would you like to showcase your work sculpture in whatever place it might be? Say yes to every opportunity you can until you can afford to say no. If, like me, I'm still not, it's coming. I'm not letting it stop. I'm still not paying all my bills with my artwork, but I will. And it's because I say yes to every opportunity I can get. And you need to do the same. Um, you know, that kind of leaves us at the stage where we're going to, you know, I want to close that out saying that you want to be an artist who is known you know, to be the go-to person, you know, for whatever it is you do. Whatever it is you do, you want people to be excited about it, they know what you do, and they want to tell people about it. So you want to be that person. That puts us in the space to talk about pricing, which is a huge topic, and as I said, will be next episode. So thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, if you like, if, if you um, have questions, if you want them answered, you can click the message link in the Anchor Podcast on the main page. You can send me an email at flyingbytheseatofmypaints at gmail.com. Yes, I know that's a ridiculously long email address. I'm keeping it. Flyingbytheseatofmypaints at gmail.com. If you think uh, we have some good advice here on the pod, take a moment to subscribe, rate us on the, on the platform of your choice. It helps it get shared so more people can find us. And hey, maybe recommend us to another fellow artist who's thinking about making the leap like you have. Until next time, this is Jim Middleton. Just keep creating.